everyone's like, this is the solution. And so you do that, and you're like, that's not the solution. Well, this is the solution, and you do that, and that's not the solution. But nothing, nothing is the solution. You just got to try and manage all the things that... And I think, like, maybe that is the solution for someone who, who struggles with that aspect, but I seem to be prone to lots of things, so I have to try and manage lots of things. Hello and welcome to The Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. I'm Alan McCubbin. And I'm Steph Gaskell. We're both accredited sports dietitians based in Melbourne and combined have over 30 years experience working with runners, cyclists and triathletes to help them stay healthy and optimise their performance from complete beginners through to professional and Olympic athletes. Each week, we take a deep dive into the most common nutrition questions that runners, cyclists and triathletes ask the sort of things that people are debating out on their run or ride in the coffee shop afterwards or perhaps going onto Google and trying to find an answer for. So we'll take that question, break it down and invite a guest expert or researcher in our A episode and an athlete or coach in our B episode to add their unique perspective. Today it's episode 45B, How Do I Stop Cramping? with cyclist turned triathlete now, Ben Hill. So we are going to discuss Ben's long history with cramping and what are the patterns that he's noticed around his cramping over the years. We're going to talk about any changes he's noticed in his cramping through his recent transition from elite cycling into triathlon. We're going to use the cramping questionnaire that was mentioned in last week's episode with Professor Kevin Miller uh, that he's published in his paper. And we're going to show how that questionnaire can be applied using Ben's situation as an example. And then we're going to look at what Ben has done in the past to try and prevent or relieve his cramping and what has or hasn't worked for him. But before we get into that, Steph, how are you going and where are you, more importantly? <laughs> Do I even need to say anything now? <laughs> you might as well. I am in the one and only Adelaide. Um, people probably say one of the best states or the best state in Australia, would they? Well, depends who you are and where, what state you were <laughs> born in, but I don't know no, about I... South Australia being the best state in Australia, Steph. <laughs> I love Melbourne. I love Melbourne as well. Um, so love them both. I'm in Adelaide enjoying some family time and um, I, I don't know if you say make, making my partner suffer through meeting all the extended family, you know, that sort of <laughs> jazz that you have to do and she's going to get me back soon where... I've um, met the family, but then it'll be the, the friends soon. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just, just having fun back here in Adelaide, being at McLaren Vale, um, doing a whole heap of some wine tasting. Uh, so really living a hard life right now. Yeah. Yep. So clearly running all your old trails and training hard, I see. <laughs> I have run. I have run a bit. Um, yep. But, yeah, yeah, a bit. Um, no, no five-hour runs, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> And how about you? How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Been uh, a bit more training this week, actually, which has been good. Work's sort of settled down a little bit, and I've actually got back on Zwift a bit and awesome. uh, even lifting a few weights, as our, us Masters athletes need to do these days, as we oh, heard just, from uh, yeah. Peter Rayburn the other week. <laughs> awesome. I, I thought, like, I could see some biceps bulging out there, Al. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right but uh it might all come crashing down because the kids are sick yet again and are oh. home from school this week so and then it's school holidays 
So yes, uh, let's let's see how if I can keep this momentum going, or yeah. if it's all going to fall into a heap this yeah. week. Yeah, hopefully you can get the kids out um, if they get better in school holidays, out and about, and get out and some riding or, or something. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Although it's magpie swooping season, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Duck for colour. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into our social media shout-outs and questions now, Steph. We've had quite a bit this week, so uh, let's kick off with Instagram. What have we had over there? Yeah, yeah. So we had um, Steph Austin, who's a ultra runner in New South Wales, the South Coast, and she said, um, hi, guys, love the show. I definitely listen each week and have learned a lot. And she's got some questions for some potential episodes for us, uh, which we've love to hear about so number one is what can I do to optimize my bone health from a nutrition perspective and just in relation to that we do have someone uh, on our radar hour that we've been wanting to get on for some time so hopefully we will have um, that episode coming up in the future there's a fine line between requesting stalking and harassing Steph so we're we're trying to toe that line somewhere that's uh on on the less offensive side i think yeah. <laughs> you maybe i would just keep stalking yeah um, true <laughs> and then second question are athletes still at risk of lifestyle diseases like heart disease and diabetes and then how can i guess we as athletes balance this risk with the nutritional needs of being an athlete um so, yeah, we think that's a, a fantastic one. Um, mm. We, yeah, so we, we'll definitely look to to talk to that one um, for a future episode. Uh, and then the, the final one was what role does nutrition play in my joint health? And then if you haven't listened to this one already, we'd recommend episode 16A was asking the question, how should my nutrition change when I'm injured? And that one featured Dr. Rebecca Alcock. So she did a lot of research into um, uh, injury and the evidence around collagen. We haven't covered joint health yet in terms of omega-3s and um, possibly looking at glucosamine. Um, so we, we think that's also a fantastic one. So thank you for those questions. And we definitely hope to answer those ones in future episodes. So thank you very much, Steph. Um, we were then also Mike um, Edgar was a is sorry a a ultra runner. He actually used to be and is still a very good mountain bike rider. Uh, I worked with him a bit at the running company at Clifton Hill, and now he's actually mm-hmm. in SA doing some work at the running company down here. Mm-hmm. And he gave us some clapping hands um, emoji for the Kevin Miller episode, so just the one last week on cramping. And then we also had Kate um, Galash, who's a sports dietitian here in SA, and she said that her phone must have been listening to what she's been listening to, and now she's getting all these cramp fix remedies popping up because she (laughs) really also enjoyed the podcast with Kevin Miller about cramping. Mm. but then our, we've had further comments on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Uh, we had Martin, who's uh, 
featured in this little segment quite a bit, but uh, he had tweeted in response to David Roach, who's a, an American running coach, who did a recent podcast around UTMB, so Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, and obviously there was a discussion around sodium or salt in that because he said on salt, check out the blog uh, from myself. We did that blog for um, mysportscience.com um, a month or so ago, and great podcast on all things nutrition at the long munch. So thank you for the shout out, Martin. Uh, we also had Daniel Rowland, who is a running coach from South Africa, but now based over in Europe. And he was at UTMB to support some of his athletes who were competing over there. And he shared uh, last week's podcast with Kevin Miller, as well as, again, that My Sports Science Sodium blog uh, in response to Zach Bitter, who's an ultra runner from the US, uh, quite a well-known one, who was posting about a sweat test that he was having. And if you're particularly interested in the concept of sweat testing, you can go back and listen to episode 10A, Should I Get a Sweat Test? And we talk through a bit about the, the nuances of sweat testing, when it might be relevant, when it's maybe not so relevant. So that might be useful for people if you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard that one. Uh, we also had Alistair Russell, who's a running and triathlon coach in Scotland, in Edinburgh, who replied to a tweet from a sports psychologist in the UK asking about podcasts where practitioners and academics discuss a problem, question or challenge. And he said, Long Munch does a pretty good job, academic practitioner one week, an athlete who's been through the intervention the next. It's a good format for sport and performance nutrition. So thank you for the shout out there, Alistair. Yeah. And then we move on, Steph, even more feedback, this time on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so again, thanks, Kate Galash. She shared a really cool video of a guy proposing just after an Ironman, which I think you actually had sent me you know, prior as well, Al, and um, yeah, he <laughs> had massive cramps as he got down on one knee and he actually has to lie face first on the um, the floor while um, people actually massage his legs to help relieve mm. it and then he kind of just goes, yeah, manages to put the one hand up and um, proposes. So it turned out well for him in the end. Um, but he had to go through a bit of agony leading up to it. So, yeah, uh, that that was pretty funny. Um, we also then had Martin again and he said, awesome episode, just missing the answer on, on the question with a, um, a laughing face. Uh, looking at my own long history of cramping, he can tick nearly everything on the list as a possible reason. So, that um, goes through dehydration, muscle fatigue, so a harder effort than normal, also mental fatigue, race day anxiety for sure, lack of sleep in the days leading up to racing or the event, underfueling, uh, history of cramping, heat, uh, not so sure about genetics, uh, although now he's going to probably go and check that, and keep waiting for that magnesium episode as anecdotally it seems the thing for me that helps at least shorten um, potentially helping to stop the cramping. So we are continuing to stalk um, our, the, <laughs> the person for, for the magnesium. But, yeah, if other people want to help us stalk some other uh, experts in that area, please, yeah, send us a... A message to other people we might be able to, yeah, touch base with on, on that particular one. But anyway, hopefully we'll get there. And then also wondering if you can do an episode on how regular blood work can or cannot inform you on overall health status and leading to a 
a potential nutritional intervention. There's lots of hype around that, especially in the US. And actually, uh, we do have um, and have been speaking about an episode in that area. So uh, we've got we've got someone, and I don't reckon we'll have to do too much stalking with this one. I, she's pretty enthusiastic and and loves the area of of um, sports nutrition and and listens to our podcast. Hint hint, if they're listening, um, we might reach out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, yeah, no, no harassment required for that one, I don't think, no. which would be nice. <laughs> so just a reminder that you can find us on social media at The Long Munch on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram if you want to contact us like all these wonderful people have with suggestions for episodes. We're getting quite a lot of suggestions coming through now, which mm. is fantastic Good. and uh, even better that half of them we'd already kind of preempted yeah. and, and planned for in the first place. So it's great that what we'd sort of had in mind planning was very similar to what people are requesting. So that's yeah. sort of nice nice um i guess that we're on the right track but obviously mm. there can be other things that come up that we yeah. haven't thought of and it's great to hear those because then we can add it to the list and and hopefully cover off questions that, that people are having which mm. is great yeah today's episode our episode 45b what are we asking yeah, we're asking how do I stop cramping again? And this time we've got Ben Hill, who uh, some will recognise because he's previously been on the podcast only 10 episodes ago in episode 35B, or really 20 episodes ago, I guess, since we do two of them on each topic. But that mm. particular episode was on how should I plan my nutrition while travelling for races. So if you're interested in that, you can listen to Ben in episode 35B. So Ben is a former elite cyclist who rode for almost a decade domestically in the National Road Series as well as internationally on the UCI Asia Tour and the UCI European Tour, and has also been involved with um, the, the now emerging world of, of e-sport racing in terms of racing on Swift and that sort of thing as well, and, and has represented Australia in the World Championships for that. Uh, we also discussed back in 35B, for those who might be interested, uh, Ben was also briefly a, a teammate of um, Tour de France champion today, Pogacar, uh, back when he was an under-23, and we discussed that last time. We also spoke last time about the fact that he was only six months, or sorry, six weeks out from his triathlon debut at the Port Macquarie Ironman 70.3. So we'll catch up with Ben and hear how that went. Um, and he also raced over the weekend, just gone for the Sunshine Coast 70.3 in Malulaba. So we'll hear a little bit about that event as well. Now, the reason we got Ben on is he's always struggled with cramping, and I remember him asking me lots of questions about it and really struggling to find solutions back when he was riding for what was then the Attacky Team Gusto cycling team, uh, now defunct team, it sort of merged into another team and is now a Slovenian team over there, but I was working with that team at the time when, when Ben was riding with them. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we'll have a chat to Ben about his cramping more broadly, but we're also going to take the athlete questionnaire that we mentioned in last week's episode with Kevin Miller, and we're going to run through the majority of those questions with Ben to get his input into that situation from his perspective and see if we can sort of find patterns that emerge from that. And hopefully that'll give you a bit of an idea of how you could apply that questionnaire to yourself. And I think in the the outro to this podcast after we speak to Ben, we'll actually go through and, and look at what all the questions are in that questionnaire and why they're relevant. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, let's get stuck into it. Yeah, let's do it. Ben Hill, welcome to the Long Munch uh, back again. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So um, we last chatted to you in episode 35B, which was um, talking about planning nutrition while you, you, you travel um, for your racing. That episode was back in April 2022, but now you're just about to compete or you actually already have in your um, first triathlon in Port Mac 73. So how did that go? Um, and have you got more triathlons planned after that experience, I guess? Um, yeah, I just, I did, I was, that was just before my first triathlon, um, yep. which I did um, in, as an age grouper. And I managed yep. to, I was third overall amongst the age groupers and, and won my particular age group. Uh, so it was, went, went very well. Uh, it was a bit of a, yeah. bit of a fun experience and I, uh, enjoyed it so much, uh, that I was like, I qualified to be a pro from that result. Since then yeah. I've applied, got my pro license and I just <laughs> did my first race as a pro, uh, on the weekend, just gone. Awesome. Ooh. Awesome. And what one was that? Um, at Sunshine Coast. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. So a bit um, nice and sunny over there for you. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to Canberra, I did a, I did a practice swim in my wetsuit in Canberra, and I think it was uh, eight degree water temperature in Lake Burley Griffin the week before, <laughs> as opposed to the twenty degree ocean yep. temperature there, which was much nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, and how do you find racing triathlons compared to road cycling in terms of, I guess, how you approach nutrition? Uh, yeah, it's it's um, a bit different. I think it's like you're not treating it as a tour, um, but you'd take it on as like more of a one-day approach in terms of like you're not too worried about um, like you go low fiber and um stick with like your white meats and just like simple carbohydrates just like for just for that day you're just thinking about that one four hour specific effort um Mm -hmm. and then um the other challenge is probably uh like running at the end of it like it's a bit more gastrointestinal issues involved than in cycling I i felt like i never even had to consider that i could eat whatever i wanted and that wasn't an issue Whereas running, yep. I find I often have to go to the toilet. So <laughs> yep. um, just like have to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, yep, yep. And are you, um, are you planning to kind of step up from the, the half um, Iron, Ironmans to, to full? Well, um, without telling my wife, uh, yes, I would like to, to do that. <laughs> some of the I would like to full distance but um she keeps telling me that the training required to do a full might might test the relationship a little so um we haven't we haven't we haven't scheduled one in but I would like to down the track yes all right I hope those walls are nice and thick there Ben she can't hear you um so so I guess, yeah, um, getting to the episode for today where we're talking about cramping um, and Al has told me some, some stories about um, 
working with you and, and your experience with that. So he said um, after a summer training camp, you'd been cramping in almost every ride that week. Um, so it sounds like cramping is not uncommon to you. Um, so, yeah, I guess tell us a bit about your experience with with cramping back then. Well, I think that was about the pinnacle of my my testing of cramping and it was just a a great opportunity we're on like a bit of a a death camp in in the in the mountains um and it was very hot in the summer and I was like it was far enough out from the race we did like a really hard day the first day and I was cramping towards the end of it and Mm -hmm. I was trialing at that time my my main thought was with apple cider vinegar um, so I was like testing, I'd heard, heard different things about like you, you drinking a lot of it pre-ride sort of helps the, like it coming on. And then once it comes on or you feel it coming on, if you drink some, it might delay it coming on. And then once it's come on, you drink it and it's going to get rid of it faster, which never really, yeah. that, that aspect of it never really, I didn't want that. Cause I'm like, once it comes on, it's kind of like, it's a game over anyway. Um, mm. you very rarely come back mm-hmm. from that. So yeah. I was, but I was like more interested in testing if it could delay it. So yeah. I did like try to feel the things through that camp because it's very hard in training to bring on a cramp, but doing these long, hard mm. days back to back in the heat, mm. hard days, mm. I could pretty much guarantee if I didn't fuel myself well with electrolyte and water that I would cramp in training I could I could guarantee myself a cramp so I'm like well if I drink apple cider vinegar and I don't cramp then this works so (laughs) I was doing this pushing big gears doing all the things that I thought would help cramping with apple cider vinegar it's like it's not a very controlled study but I was doing my own experimenting (laughs) and I concluded with all the apple cider vinegar I was drinking that it didn't actually help that very much because I was still cramping a lot, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and were you, was it a particular area you were cramping in or? Um, oh, like I get a kind of feel. For me, I start to go mostly in the adductors initially, which now I'm thinking that my running injury mm. that I've had lately is because of weak adductors, that there might be some kind of correlation between like this as being like a weak area for me. Um, cause that would be the first to go when I would cycle, but then I would like alter my position a little, um, like turn my knees in a little bit more, but then my glutes would start to go and then my hamstrings wow. would start to go and then <laughs> oh, the other side of my pods would start yep. to go. And like it was, and in that aspect, I thought it was more like a systemic thing than it was a specific muscle thing because mm. everything was like on the edge. It was mm. just the adductors mm-hmm. that were the first one to normally cop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how long had um how long has cramping been going on for you for? Well, I think the first cramp I can remember was like when I started cycling at the end of like I started cycling when I was maybe seventeen, um and like under nineteen national under nineteen state champs in the sprint finish I remember feeling the cramp come on and sprinting through the cramp. And it was like a weird sensation. I was like, what's happening to me? 
So I think that was my first one. Um, but that was like probably the longest, hardest event I've done to that point. Um, and then I've suffered with it basically ever since. Like it's been something I've constantly had to manage for the last like 15 years. Yeah, right. And so I guess over that time, um, there's obviously lots of different kind of theories out there in terms of what causes cramping. Um, So you would have seen a huge range of, you know, the so-called remedies for for cramping. So um, what sort of things have you come across in your time and um, maybe what's some of the strangest sounding ones that you've heard of or you've tried? So you've told us apple cider vinegar. Any any other ones? Uh, yeah, I've tried. I've tried a lot. Um, <laughs> the like, I've had like pickle juice and yep. hot shots, and yep. I've just had like really high magnesium concentrations. High, like I've had salt tabs. Um, just like you get all kinds of um, just like electrolyte tabs, and I'm just like dosing up on them so they have like like a lot of different um, electrolytes in them. And then, yep. um, like, hi, like, I heard one, I listened to a podcast where they're talking about that it was potentially due to, like, a carbohydrate imbalance. So then, like, fueling, like, trying to now eat carbohydrate intake might help. So I've, like, focused on that side of it. And then um, just, like, making sure you're hydrated enough in general. Like, yep. like there's a lot of different remedies. Eating heaps of bananas. For the potassium, yep. potassium. Uh, that one. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> like the, there was no, um, like there's, I've tried a lot of different things and yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of them like the, some of them I like I haven't really been able to get like a conclusive, like the hot shots. I think I only got a few of them because mm-hmm. I brought them home from America um, and I sort of saved mm-hmm. them for a point when I felt like, oh, cramps coming on, have it, oh, I still cramped, mustn't work. But that's not very, that's not like the best test with like the two hot shots tabs I had, like shots I had Mm. to like inclusively say that doesn't work. But Mm. it didn't work for me those times, so it wasn't good enough for me to go out and buy a heap of them. Mm -hmm. How did Mm -hmm. you find with the hot shots? Because obviously it's it's quite spicy, like the, the capsaicin that's in it. How did you find that chugging that down halfway through a race? Uh, yeah, I like... I mean, I didn't enjoy the taste of it, but um, I often have been more of the attitude of like I, it's just to make me feel better or hydrate better. It doesn't matter what the taste is as long as it makes yeah. me perform better. Um, yeah. So that wasn't so much of the issue. And I thought that that might even be part of it. Like you have like this really weird thing, sensation, and it messes with the neuromuscular or the, the neuro, mm. the neurons. And that's what stops the cramp. So maybe the bad taste mm-hmm. was actually helping me. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it kind was, of the theory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, like, for that aspect, I was in mind the bad taste, but uh, yeah, I didn't find it helped. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like from all the ones you've tried, there wasn't any that you felt um, helped prevent cramping. Um, I don't know if you thought that any of them maybe helped reduce the duration of the cramp. That's going to be hard to tell as well, yeah. I guess. 
Yeah, that that is it is hard. Like, I mean, the I've I've rarely been like locked in a cramp. Um, mm. like this that's more being like I, I remember being in a car one time on the way home from a race and not being able to extend my legs properly and being locked in a cramp. Um, but normally you can kind of just straight, straighten your leg or put your leg in a different position to stop the cramp at that moment. Um, mm. and I did feel doing that apple cider vinegar thing, potentially it released it faster while I was guzzling it mid cramp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yep. as I said, like, that's not really what I was going in it for. I'm like, once, once I'm in that position yeah. by the side of the road, locked in cramp, I'm like, the, the race has gone up the road by now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, um, did you also, I'm, I'm guessing, did you investigate kind of like the non-nutrition factors, things like your bike fit, your bike shoes, your pedal stroke technique and, um, so on? Uh, like I think, um, all around that, like massage, I thought potentially just having tight muscles going into it, um, would, would, would maybe lead to cramping easier. So I was like, if I start like doing some more stretching or going with like loose muscles going into it, that might help. Mm. But like that's also wasn't really easy to test either because like mm. then you go, you still go into a race with tired As a cyclist or as an endurance athlete, you very rarely have fresh legs going into anything. You're always under some kind of load. Mm. So I'd like have massage mm. before the race but still probably got a bit of tightness in my legs to start with so again I couldn't really conclusively decide if that was helping or not um mm. but I would get a massage before a race and still cramp um but maybe if I had massage for the three weeks beforehand it might have helped mm. but I wasn't really mm. in a position to test that or not mm. yeah yep yep and um oh I'm gonna leave Alan to like ask your whole series of questions yet and he's gonna like we said, cure your your cramping soon. So I'll leave I'll leave him to ask some of the extra questions soon. Um, but just out of um, interest as well, um, now you're in doing triathlons um, with the running and swimming side of things. Do you find that you're also experiencing um, cramping in those exercise modes as compared to just cycling or? Have you not really had enough time to kind of test that yet? Well, like for for me, like cramping generally will come on in like a race situation when you're under pressure by someone else. Like, mm-hmm. so that's particularly hard to test for triathlon because you're generally racing at your own pace and you're not mm-hmm. racing that often. You're generally just training. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I haven't had a great chance to test any cramping um, preventions for triathlon, but I, I, that said, I'm cramping a lot swimming. Like I can almost guarantee if I do like a 25 meter pool where I'm doing sprints and pushing off the wall each time hard, I'll cramp within 10 minutes, which calves. Yeah. Yeah. My calves and the, and the, and my feet, the arches on my feet will go. And I'm like, um, and I have been like, we have we have pickles at home, so I have a I have pickle juice at the side of the pool that I drink. To to I'm still <laughs> not told if this is actually helping or not, but we have it at home, so I'm just yeah. like drinking it. 
And I'm like, after yep. I said the camps come on, it's generally just like pool boy paddles after that to try and get something, <laughs> the remainder of the session done without my yep. feet going on me. <laughs> One of the things that we know with cramping is it's more likely when the muscle is constantly in that shortened position. And it's very common in swimming to see calf cramps because, you know, your feet are constantly in that kind of short calf position trailing along behind you and then obviously you kick off the wall you're using that calf as well uh, and it sounds like that's pretty much describes how your cramping occurs in the pool yeah yeah it'll be um like just just kicking along the the cramp will go or um usually pushing off the wall it'll be like foot or calf just yeah snap. yeah um, and i guess that's the opposite of you know stretching isn't it because that kind of relieves the cramping and it's about a little thing inside the muscle called the Golgi tendon organ, which feeds back to the nervous system, which then obviously feeds back in terms of cramping or not cramping. So that that makes sense. If stretching is going to relieve the cramping, then constantly working the muscle in that shortened position is going to do the opposite. Mm. So last week we spoke with Professor Kevin Miller about the difficulty in pinning down the cause of cramping because there are so many different factors that can contribute to it and there'll be different you know, they'll contribute to different degrees for different people and possibly even in different types of exercise, like your swimming cramps versus your, your cycling cramps, for example. But it sounds like you've obviously struggled to figure out what's been the cause of cramping for you over the years. Do you ever feel like you've got a bit of a handle on sort of the patterns that have emerged with it or the sort of the risk factors that seem to be important for you? The things that, you know, if you can control this, it's less likely to happen, but these things doesn't really matter? Uh, yeah, I think heat definitely makes me cramp quicker. Um, and like poor hydration, uh, will make me cramp quicker. And I don't know about like electrolyte, uh, so much, but I have found drinking more electrolyte, I, I will not cramp as much. So I think, I think that helps but it's not as obvious as the heat and dehydration is like, that's like a yep. guarantee almost. Mm, um, yep. as well as I tended to find like the first hard race of the season, I'd cramp more. So even as much as I tried to go into it fully race fit, um, maybe my muscles aren't like, I can't simulate that effort that you get in a race in training. And so that first race mm. of the season would, I'd cramp more. Whereas like th- as I'd go throughout a tour, the first day is normally where I'm more susceptible as well as what last day I'll cope better. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So in Kevin's work, we were talking about this off air before he sort of included uh, like a questionnaire, I think it's 15 or 16 questions off the top of my head to identify those some common risk factors for cramping. And if we take a look at these from your perspective, there's some that, you know, most people can kind of either rule in or out immediately, and we won't go into detail about these, but they're things like people's medical history, if they have necrotic health conditions or things like that. Medication use is another one, uh, and supplement use. But let's have a look at some of those other ones. So I guess the first question that, that comes up in there is, do the cramps tend to occur only in the muscles that are doing the most work? And it sounds like certainly in swimming, that would be the case in terms of the calves when you're pushing off the wall and things. Yeah, well, they're definitely coming from muscles that are doing work, but I mean, I've, I like, I don't think my adductors are doing the most work. It's generally the bigger mm. muscles that do it, but like my stabilizing muscles might be the ones that go. Yeah. Um, 
but then as I adjust, the the big ones will go as well. Yeah. So it's not, and I've like I remember cramping in my in my hands and in my neck and like smaller muscles when it gets really bad. So, um, yep. but yeah, like I, I I don't think it's like conclusively either way, really. Yep. Yeah, and I think that might come down to, and Kevin talked about this, the fact that, you know, the nervous system, it gets to a point um, where it gets sort of excited, for lack of a better word, and then that tends to trigger those signals to the muscle to cramp. But if you have already cramped in that exercise session, that sends feedback to the nervous system, which makes it more likely to cramp again. So it could be that, you know, there's a muscle group that kind of goes first, it sounds like the adductors in your case on the bike, and then that sort of makes you then more susceptible to any other muscles going later on. Yeah, yeah, interesting one. And I guess, you know, the adductors, as you said, are kind of those little stabilizing muscles, which, you know, maybe they're just fatiguing for whatever reason, whether it's a biomechanical thing, overusing them a little bit compared to what they're intended for or, or something like that. And, and you know, as you said, you try to correct in terms of your knee position in your pedal stroke, but maybe it's too late by then. But, yeah, it's interesting. Um the other one, I think you've already answered this, does the cramping occur in training or only in races? And it sounds like unless you're really pushing it hard in training, it's primarily in races. Yeah, yeah. I find it yeah. very hard to, to get to a level. Unless it's swimming, I find it very hard on the bike to, to get to that level to cramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's very, very common. I think that's probably the most common sort of scenario we, we see. And I, and I guess then it's sort of like, well, the question that stems from that is what's fundamentally different about race day compared to training. And there could be a whole bunch of factors, obviously, as you said, the duration, the intensity, um, as Kevin said, even like the, the anxiety psychological element of being in a competition as opposed to training where you're a bit more relaxed potentially as well might have a role in terms of the interaction with the nervous system. So it's an interesting one. Um, is there anything unusual in your preparation in the days preceding when you cramp versus when you don't? So, for example, having poor sleep leading in, having you know doing something different in terms of diet or hydration leading into those days where you've noticed cramping's been particularly bad versus days that it hasn't bothered you. Uh, like hydration's an obvious one. If I if I know I've been not hydrated going into it, um, then that will definitely bring it on faster. Mm. Um, I like, there's been, there's been cases though, where I've been well hydrated and still cramped. Um, so Mm. like trying to find patterns, trying to find patterns in those instances. That's like, what's the next obvious cause? Um, it's probably like, I have, I remember getting off a plane, um, to go to Europe and we, the next day I went out and I was doing like sprints and I cramped doing that and I don't think that was due to like it wasn't a particularly big session wasn't because I was dehydrated or potentially a little dehydrated but that might have been like just a sleep imbalance or something um just Mm. just jet lagged off a plane doing some sprints um and they came on a lot faster than I would normally expect uh Mm. but like I, I I don't know yeah if there's any other like sleep pattern I've seen yeah okay um and are you tending to cramp and i think you answered this before as well it sounds like it's probably happening more towards the end of a training ride or a race rather than towards the start with the possible exception of the swimming yeah yeah um yeah it feels like the the swim and cycling cramps are almost like a separate topic they're like two different forms of cramp almost um yeah but the cycling cramp definitely comes on 
um, very deep into like it'll be usually a hot, hard race at the start of the season when I'm dehydrated. Is that's like the recipe for for cramping? Um, yeah, it doesn't come on early. Yeah. yeah. Have you noticed any pattern? This is one of the other questions. Uh, have you noticed any patterns around being more likely to cramp if there's a particularly stressful race? Or have you tended to cramp maybe within the minutes after having a crash or an injury um, or some sort of other sudden adrenaline surge, like a near, you know, something's going on in the bunch and you almost fall, but you save it or something? Has there been any pattern like that you've noticed? Um, I noticed I did a, I did a four-hour mountain bike race um, and I was like in the fourth hour and just as I was about to like I overshot a corner and I'm like bracing for impact almost and mm. my whole body just starts cramping as I'm like tensed up yeah right ready, ready to ready to hit the deck mm. um but I think I was on the edge yeah at that point already uh mm. yeah yeah and, and like it happens more in racing and like it happens almost every time at nationals and at nationals <laughs> I always go in there well I go in there when I'm fit, I like with a lot of expectations on myself to do well. So there's a lot of nerves and pressure involved in that and I'll cramp every time. Yeah. Um, it, is a, it also is all those other factors as well, but I, there is yep. that stress too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Um, we talked about weather before that certainly very hot conditions seem to be much worse for you. Yeah, I yep. well, I've always I've always struggled in the heat, um, mm. and well, I say I struggle in the heat because of cramping. Um, I don't know actually if I didn't cramp, if my performance would be that much worse than everyone else's. But I struggle with the heat purely because it's such a um, I really have to focus on not cramping as my battle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, we've talked a bit about hydration already, but in terms of supplement use, have you found that either using, like, caffeine, for example, has made you more susceptible to cramping or less susceptible to cramping? Uh, well, I I was, um for, for a while there, I was doing the opposite of what you're meant to do, where it's, like, no caffeine and then have the caffeine on race day so that you can get, like, the extra stimulus from the caffeine. I was having caffeine through my daily life and then coming into racing, having no caffeine because uh, I thought that mm-hmm. might contribute to the cramping. Um, yep. So I, but I decided to stop doing that because I like my caffeine. So, um, and I didn't feel like that necessarily was contributing too much more to it. I thought if I can have my coffee, but still hydrate properly, then it wasn't really affecting me too much. But again, it's hard to yep. it was hard to know. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and we talked about, um, I guess, muscle fatigue being one of those things that tends to lead to cramping, uh, in, in particularly um, weaknesses in muscles that that tend to cramp first. Has this been looked at at all in terms of like muscle imbalances or anything like that? Have there been any sort of like the left side's different to the right, and that's making it kind of a little bit lopsided or anything? Uh, I, I don't, I've, I haven't had like any muscle imbalances addressed. I haven't, I don't, I've had like a bike fit and general assessments, um, and no one's really picked up on anything obvious yeah, and okay. cramping seems to be pretty even. Um, yep. 
in through both sides. I wouldn't say yeah, okay. on one side more than the other. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then there seems to be a genetic component to cramping in terms of, you know, there are people that are prone crampers who always seem to cramp and there's people who just, you know, it's just not an issue for them at all ever. Um, your brother Sam's also a cyclist. Does cramping run in the family or is it just you? Uh-huh, well... My Sam, I th- I would say cramps at a normal level. Um, I think he, he cramps like uh, he reckons the end of twenty twenty, the end of twenty twenty when they had the short NRS COVID season. Um, it cost him a stage win, a cramp. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of two cramps he's ever had in in racing. So he's not a, he's not a cramp. Right. And he said okay. and he said he was quite dehydrated um, at that time. So I think it was. Mm-hmm. It cramps at a pretty normal, normal rate. Um, yeah. And I don't think either of my parents are big crampers. Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. Um, I'm just interested in the, the treatment side of cramping. I mean, you mentioned like trying the hot shots and the apple cider vinegar and those sort of things. But when you do cramp in training or a race, what's the strategies that you found have been helpful or at least had some relief in terms of cramping. I mean, obviously you don't want to sort of get off your bike and stretch if you don't have to, but sometimes that's probably the only thing you can do. Yeah, I, I have tried stretching. Like if you feel it coming on, you'll start to stretch. Um, but that and that might like defer it a little bit. Um, mm. But it doesn't, I don't think that, that hasn't, once I've like got to that point of that, I'm like stretching out a cramp that I'm feeling coming on. It hasn't really come back from that point. Mm. Um, but I have found, I remember doing one of the 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 hardest stages of the Tour of Japan around the Kieran School where it's like 4,000 metres of climbing. I was in the breakaway and it looks like the break was going to win. And like 30k to go, I had these cramps coming on and I'm like, oh, no. Mm. And like I'll, I'll coast down the hill kind of drink drink the the water I have and I just was on the radio to the car. I was like, next feed, um, just give me like all the magnesium gels. And they gave me like six um, magnesium gels we had and I came around, had them all in one lap and I came good and didn't cramp again right. and I finished finished second on the stage um, and I felt I, I, like that's one of the times that I've come out of the cramp which hasn't happened very often. Mm. And I don't know if that's because I was, had the carbohydrate or because I then started smashing the rest of my water or it was the magnesium. There's probably a few factors that could have helped, but I just yeah. tried doing everything I could. And so I thought I was on magnesium there for a while and I'll carry around a really concentrated magnesium shot with me uh, that when I felt it would come on, I would, like, have that. Um and I reckon there was probably another occasion that I felt that shot helped. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but, it, it, like, again, like I was – when it comes on, you try every trick in the book. Mm. So it's really hard to tell if it was, like, the magnesium or if it was then I started drinking heaps of water or I started eating heaps of food or I started yeah. managing my effort a little bit more. Yep. Just out of interest, when you had those six magnesium gels, did you get any gut issues sort of afterwards, like after the stage? No, no, I was fine. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, I was thinking maybe part of it is actually just drawing uh, water out of the blood and probably from the cells out of the blood as well, back into your gut because of the load in your gut. But, um, yeah, 
you probably would have experienced GI issues had that happened. So it's interesting. Um, Kevin also discusses in his research papers this kind of threshold concept, and certainly I've experienced this on the mountain bike as well, where you sort of exceed a certain threshold in terms of effort and then you start cramping, but you can kind of back it off and just sort of sit below that point of cramping for a while. And often it's not at the pace that you want, like the race is going down the road away from you. But if you do that, you can theoretically keep going without cramping. But if you try and push it just above that threshold a little bit, you start cramping again. Has that been your experience too on the bike? Yeah, I remember very distinctly Tour Tour of Adelaide stage. It was like um, we were doing a circuit race, and through the hill, every time up the hill, I'll start at the front, and I could just feel like if I pedal any harder than this, I'm going to get dropped. And it was just enough by the back of the hill hitting the back of the bunch, I could survive and then get around another lap, and like just I could just feel that threshold. It's like the old Robbie McEwen tactic. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it saved me. Yeah. But for different reason, yeah. Yeah, 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 good good strategy for the race as well, but also got me through with the, the cramp wise because, um, yeah, you can just feel when it's about to about to snap. Yep, yep. And I think the other thing that, that's not in Kevin's questionnaire but probably should be for you is the fact that, as most people know, you love a breakaway, which probably contributes to the extra work that you do compared to most of the people sitting back in the bunch 20 deep <laughs> that probably ends up you doing a bit more work and then making you more bits a bit more susceptible too yeah well yeah i remember um sun tour one year i was in the break five from five days and it was like day four and i needed i was like tired on the the sprint classification i just needed the last sprint everyone else in the break was like yep yeah, you can have the sprints so, and we're 3K away from the sprint and I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't go any further without cramping and I had to pull out of the brake, <laughs> let them go up the road. The bunch came past yeah. and I'm standing by the side of the road stretching out my cramp. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, again, it was frustrating, um, but probably yeah. accumulation of those four days in the breakaway. Mm-hmm. That said, you did get, was it the polka dot jersey, I think, at the Sun Tour one year? Yeah, well, I did manage to get the sprint jersey that year, and I I got the polka dot jersey on another year. So yeah, I I have had happy hunting there in the past. Yes, yeah, fair enough. All right, so I guess to bring all of this together, what's what have you found to be the most useful piece of advice you've gotten in relation to either preventing or managing cramping over the years, or you found really nothing's been that helpful? I think just the there's no like golden bullet like everyone's like this is the solution and so you do that and you're like that's not the solution or this is the solution you do that and that's not the solution but nothing nothing is the solution it's just like it's like you just got to try and manage all the things that and i think like maybe that is the solution for someone who's who struggles with that aspect but i seem to be prone to lots of things so i have to try and manage Mm. lots of things yeah, yeah, and that, that fits exactly with what Kevin described. You know, cramping is sort of that complex syndrome where there's lots of different factors that can contribute and which factors apply to different people will be different. But what's sort of common is that when enough of those factors kind of add up to a certain level, that's when you start to cramp. Um, and it's going to be a different combination of those and they'll add up at a different rate for different people. But that's kind of the the overall concept that he looks at and he sort of says, well, you know, you try and identify which of those factors, as you said, contribute to your cramping 
and then control as many of those as you can. And you may not be able to control them completely just because of the reality of different sports, but I guess you, you, you kind of do the best you can there. Kevin also said if you talk to someone and they tell you that this is the remedy to your cramping, you probably know that it's BS because there's never like, you know, one thing, one answer. Mm. Um, So, and he's like, it's always going to involve a lot of homework. So um, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of homework. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) And you're just going to have to keep doing it. And now you get to do lots of homework in triathlon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like all new learning. Mm, yeah yeah um it'll be interesting to see if the also with the cramping and your swimming if that does tend to fade with like you doing more and more of it mm. as well just from that training um yeah I have, I, have found, I have found already it's um it's i'm getting through i'm getting through more and more sessions than i was initially mm. it was mm. frustrating i couldn't even like get through a 2k set of intervals to start with because I was like after a K of hard swimming I'm done so um yeah it is is it is already getting better as my muscles are getting more used to it I think Mm. Mm. yeah and it will be interesting to see with your um injury that you spoke about 10 it's like currently in that adductor area too that when you come back to um your training if that starts to cramp earlier because you're still it's still recovering like yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and well I, yeah. I like the physios have prescribed me a lot of like adductor strength work so now I'm hoping that maybe that yeah. will help delay the onset of my adductor cramps mm. if yeah they're, if they're exactly so yeah. it could, could well, work that, both. yeah and mm. that then will help with that um muscle imbalance or the biomechanical stuff so that, yeah mm. that'll be super interesting so please update us. Um, yeah, we, we would be interested and the listeners would be interested to come to, to see what may help manage your cramping. The fun part now for me is bonus round. To learn even more about you from when we spoke to you last time, I, I believe your family, including your wife, who's a former world champion in in track cycling and has had a successful road career too you do this annual handicap race up a hill in Canberra that Alan's told me about it's around Christmas time so is that still happening and um does your wife have the bragging rights um no she doesn't at the moment my mum does um (laughs) she's, she's the current current uh holder of the cup we have mm-hmm. a we have a big trophy that's engraved every year. Wow! Um, and it's yeah, it's a handicap. We we sort of try and get the whole family together around Christmas time at some part. Um, so the the handicap's now moving every year depending on where we are. If we're in Newcastle or Canberra or Scone, where my parents live. Um, yeah. But yeah, mum put in a mum mum just rides pretty socially, but she actually put in a sneaky training block just before the last hill <laughs> handicap and, and burgled it a little bit and she rode away with the win. She uh, pulled the wool over the handicapper's eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's more about the negotiation of the handicap. Um, yeah. We all sort of talk about it at a round table and everyone tells you how bad form they're in. Um, <laughs> except Dad, who always is claiming that he's in the career best form and somehow he's never won it. So I think that's <laughs> wrong. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and if you could get rid of one discipline from triathlon, which one would it be and why? Well, I would normally say swimming because that was um, that's my weakest leg. Uh, but after the last one I did when I uh, swam quite well and was walking the back half of the run, I now I'm more tempted to get rid of the run because it seems to be giving me more problems than than solutions. So um, I'm not I'm not sure on that one, but definitely I'd keep cycling. Keep cycling. Yep, yep. <laughs> and um, so. I, I think I've already asked you about the Ironman, so it sounds like that's possibly on the radar. Do you have your um, mind set on a particular Ironman if you are allowed to do one? Um, <laughs> do you have one that you'd really love to do? Uh, yeah, my my mate who got me into triathlon, we did the Port Mac uh, 70.3 as our first race and he's wanting to go back and do the full distance uh, next year and he's sort of twisting my arm to do the full one with him so that that could that that could be the first one <laughs> yeah yeah awesome <laughs> um and then what about off-road type of multi-sport events like um x-terra or single discipline events like trail running or mountain biking um which it sounds like you do a bit of mountain biking um any desire to um compete in those um maybe later on down the track yeah i i I enjoy mountain biking uh but i'm not very good at it i don't have i don't have the (laughs) skill set required uh to be a good mountain biker so although like compared to triathlon my bike handling skills are generally pretty good so xterra could be could be a good um middle ground there where my my skill level compared to them is all right um and i would definitely um, I, I like a bit of, I like to do a bit of everything. I think I did that Port Mac um, 70.3, then the week after I did the graft, and then the week after that I did a 4 mountain bike race. So I'll put my hand up mm-hmm. for anything. Um, mm-hmm. And But, yeah, I think I did a I did a 10K running race, which is what led to my recent injury. So i gotta, I got to sort of uh, pick and choose my things a bit more wisely with, with where my form's at. Yep. <laughs> and um, favourite sporting moment of 2022 so far? Um, yeah, I, I there's been there's been a few good moments. Um, seeing my former teammate Jai Hindley win the win the Giro, um, that that last hilltop stage when he dropped Carapaz, that was super exciting. Um, or that, that was probably my favourite, um, but like notable mentions would have been uh, like Tour of Flanders when uh, Pogaccia was trying to ride uh, Matthew Vanderpoel off the wheel up the last hill. Uh, that was that was like one of the biggest moments of the cycling season, I reckon. Mm. And then recently um, at the Com Games, watching Ollie Hall win the win the fifteen hundred, I think Beck and I jumped off the couch yelling at the TV, and Ava was. Up off the couch, yelling at the TV at the same time, which was a, <laughs> which was a nice moment for our family as well. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, well, thanks so much for your time again, Ben. Um, hopefully, this has been some good food for thought for people in terms of trying to figure out the causes of their cramping by sort of 
trying to see how you've kind of tried to figure it out over the years. And obviously you're not quite there yet, but hopefully closing on a, a little bit more. And uh, hopefully with triathlon, you uh, won't have as much cramping experience because you don't have to race as often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. And it's much more measured effort. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't think, I, although I watched the last, um, the I think it was one of the PTO triathlon races and the everyone that was leading seemed to be cramping out of it. So it clearly happens in triathlon. I just yeah. haven't got to that point of the race yet to, to push my body yeah. that hard. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Ben, and hopefully we'll see you in uh, Iron Man very soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you very much, Ben Hill, for joining us on another episode of The Long Munch. And now I'm going to leave it to Al to wrap up take-home messages from Ben and I guess Kevin Miller as well. Mm. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we have a look at some of those sort of main messages, but we're also going to go through that questionnaire that we spoke about, and obviously we covered off some of that with Ben, but we'll go through each of those questions and why they're there um, to give people a bit of an idea of how they can maybe apply that to themselves as well. But I guess the first thing is that we know that cramping during exercise is a very complex phenomenon. There are multiple factors that can lead to essentially what is the same outcome being a cramp. And that's why it's so difficult to just go into that kind of default scientific process of changing one factor at a time and trying to figure out what's contributing to the issue because there can be multiple factors contributing to the issue. So you can change one thing at a time and never actually figure things out, which is very similar, as we said last week, to sort of gastrointestinal type issues that happen during exercise as well, which is why, you know, is it my gels? Is it this? Is it that? generally doesn't work and it can be very frustrating that kind of trial and error process for people and it's very much the same here with cramping. I guess looking at Ben's situation specifically he's obviously tried a lot of different things to help try and prevent the cramping. He's done things like you know electrolytes and hydration and he feels that there's some benefit there potentially. Magnesium again maybe some benefit um, but not clear whether it's the fluid the magnesium maybe carbohydrate that's going along with that and that's as Kevin said last week it's hard to tease out those things sometimes he's tried you know the vinegars the pickle juices the hot shots and found that maybe they've had a small effect but it's not really you know completely preventing the cramp or stopping the cramp when it has occurred and again that fits very much with what Kevin said last week is that look there might be a minor effect of these things But at the end of the day, if it's something that's meant to stop cramping, fundamentally, they don't stop cramping. They might help relieve it a little bit or make it a little bit less bad, but they're not not a, a magic bullet. As I said, the questionnaire that Kevin included in that paper, and we discussed that kind of last week and and looked at aspects of that with Ben. I'll run through that quickly now because I think it might be really useful for people to, you know, play this back and maybe, you know, pause it and go back and just listen to all these questions and have a think about that from your own perspective if you are someone who is prone to cramping. So the first question, and there's 16 of them, the first one is, do you have any illnesses, allergies, or medical conditions? And the reason is that muscle cramping may be associated with allergies or diseases and so there's a risk factor there potentially of an underlying illness, and that has you know, obviously implications in terms of the, the function of the central nervous system. The second question is, did cramping occur after a change or start of medication or drug use? Because cramping can be associated with some types of medications. Um, so there's a medication side effect there in terms of its interaction with the nervous system. 
The third question is, do you regularly cramp during exercise? And that's more around you know cramping having a genetic component. So there's some people that are just prone to cramping all the time. Some people don't cramp very much at all. Obviously, there's multiple different mechanisms there, and it's hard to kind of tease all of that out. But um, obviously, there are people that tend to be recurrent crampers, uh, as opposed to the person who had the one-off cramp here or there. The next question is, how intensely and long were you exercising before you developed cramps? And what we do know from research is that athletes with the fastest actual and predicted race times are the most likely to experience cramping. So um, that's probably a muscle fatigue type issue there. And particularly if people are pushing themselves harder and faster in a race situation than they do in training, that often tends to increase their risk of cramps. The next question is, when did the cramp occur during exercise? Was it at the beginning, the middle or the end of exercise? Majority of people would probably say towards the end. Uh, that's the most common that you see. And again, that suggests a, a muscle fatigue component related to that cramping that's then feeding back to the nervous system or possibly a buildup of all of those other effects on the nervous system that accumulate over the course of the exercise duration. The next question is, how much sleep did you get the night before your exercise session when the cramping occurred? And there is a suggestion that, that you know lack of sleep or sleep loss may impact on that fatigue element and that premature fatigue element, whether there's a sort of a stress response psychological element directly on the nervous system or it's more through muscle fatigue is not clear, um, but it may be that that lack of sleep is a risk factor as well. And so if you have a poor night's sleep the night before a race for some people, that may increase their risk of cramping. Uh, the next one, how hot or humid was it when you developed the cramps? Well, we know that cramps occur more frequently in hotter months. They can occur in any conditions, but for a lot of people, they will describe the heat as being a factor here. And so that might be related to many factors. It could be around you know, the ability to maintain good hydration, uh, might be premature fatigue because of the heat and the hydration factor. Uh, it could be that someone's not uh, acclimatized well to that particular environment. It might be that it raises your muscle temperature more than normal, and that feeds back to the nervous system as well. And the next one was the exercise session during which the cramping occurred novel in any way. You know, Ben's described that with his swimming, that you know he's obviously moved from cycling to triathlon and had a lot of calf cramping swimming uh, because you're you know, constantly pointing your toes and then kicking off the wall when you're swimming laps in the pool. And that uh, will tend to fatigue those muscles that are not well conditioned for that form of exercise. Uh, and that can happen in anyone who suddenly changes the type of exercise that they do. Uh, the next one, what occurred or what did your diet look like in the days prior to cramping? So was there any differences in how you ate in terms of the types of foods you chose, um, intakes of you know different nutrients, whether it's protein, fat, carbohydrate, or even things like vitamins, minerals, fruit, veggies, these kinds of things. Uh, and I guess the rationale around this is that you know, diets low in carbohydrate may reduce your muscle glycogen, so the amount of carbohydrate you've got stored prior to exercise, uh, and then contribute to sort of premature fatigue of the muscle and then feeding back to the nervous system. Um, the effect of different sort of electrolytes, vitamins, minerals, and things like that is not very clear. Um, so we're not sure whether there's anything there, but it, there may be a pattern for certain people that certain uh, nutrients or lack of those nutrients may contribute. Uh, the next question, did you consume supplements or stimulants, things like caffeine, before or during your exercise session? Because for some people, stimulants and supplements can increase the excitability of the nervous system, and then that increases the risk of cramping. 
Uh, number 11, were you recently injured? So pain and prior injury are predictors of cramping in research. And again, that's probably around that feedback to the nervous system and the over-excitation of the nervous system. Uh, the one that Kevin talked about last week, which is an interesting one because it hasn't been explored in a lot of detail, um, so it'll be interesting to see what emerges from this uh, in, in future years, but was um, what was the psychological state during the exercise session when the cramping developed? So stress or unrealistic expectations about pacing versus reality of, of what you're able to do, um, that may increase the excitability of the nervous system as well. Um, next one, did you consume enough fluids, electrolytes, or both to replace sweat losses? So I guess this is where we might get into that hydration electrolyte stuff, and that's not 100% clear, but we know that for most athletes, probably the contribution here is fairly minor. Um, but as Kevin said, in American football players that had a history of cramping, there did seem to be a relationship there, but it didn't bear out in other sports. So it might just be because of the, the losses in American football are among the highest because when they're practicing in summer, wearing all that protective gear and big guys, they tend to lose a lot compared to most athletes in most sports. Uh, did the cramping tend to stop once you stop the activity? Um, obviously reducing your pace or stopping completely tends to relieve the cramping. And again, that's related to the ex over excitation of the nervous system. So once you stop that you're not feeding back that into the nervous system itself. Do the cramps tend to occur only in the muscles that are doing the most work? And uh, that's what we spoke quite a bit with Ben about, that the working muscles tend to be the most affected. And so this can be for various reasons. It can be pedal technique, as I mentioned with Kevin last week on the mountain bike, I used to, you know, if I got too excited and spent too much time out of the saddle, my quads would tend to cramp because I was using my quads as the the main driver in my pedal stroke and not using you know, my hamstrings and my glutes and everything as well. Um, in Ben's case, it was possibly some of those minor muscle groups, the stabilizing muscle groups being overused and then um, fatiguing and then feeding back into the, the nervous system there. Uh, and that can be potentially a biomechanical thing. So think about things like bike fit, um, assessment of you know, neuromuscular you know, imbalances, um, running shoes, all that sort of biomechanical type stuff there. And then finally, did the cramping occur during training or during competition? And I think this is the most common one where people would say, yeah, it's always race day, but it's hardly ever in training. Uh, and that's a very common finding. And that sort of leads you to that the follow-up question is, well, what is fundamentally different on race day compared to training? And it could be all of those things that we just described before. It could be around pacing. It could be around, you know, you're competing much longer distances or trying to push your pace a lot harder in a race than you ever do in training. It could be that your nutrition is fundamentally different. Um, there could be all sorts of different things involved there. Um, the psychological element is obviously a new one that, that people haven't necessarily thought about as well before. But I guess if we summarise all of this, you know, how do I stop cramping? Well, I guess the, the answer is that there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution, just like gut issues. You've really got to go away and do your homework and find out, as what Kevin describes, your, your individual recipe for cramping. And then once you kind of feel like you've got a good handle on what your recipe is, control as many of the ingredients that go into that recipe as you possibly can. I think, yeah, listeners will find this episode really useful in after they've listened to, to Kevin and, yeah, go through those questions and, uh, like Al said, do, do your homework and Kevin said. Um, next episode, we're up to 46A, 
what is metabolic flexibility and why should I care? And we're joined by Jeff Rothschild. Did you want to do a, a bit of an intro to Jeff, Al? Yeah, Jeff's a, a dietitian um, who is currently doing his PhD over in Auckland, but he's from the US originally. Um, and he's done some really cool work using machine learning and AI uh, around sort of analyzing a whole bunch of data around carbohydrate versus fat use during exercise. And so that really goes to that concept of, of metabolic flexibility. So it's a term that's thrown around a lot these days. And so people are kind of aware that there's this kind of term, but not necessarily aware of exactly what it means. And is it important? We, we kind of get this um, impression that metabolic metabolic flexibility is super important is that the case and if it is the case is it the case in every scenario so obviously you know running cycling triathlon we've gone from very short very high intense events through to very long very low intense events and then events that have a mixture of both like road cycling for example so we'll chat to jeff about what metabolic flexibility actually means but more importantly does it actually matter and and is it is it event specific in terms of whether that matters? And then finally, like, how do you know if you're metabolically flexible and or if you're not and you should be, what can you do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then just finally wrapping up. So a reminder, if you have a question you'd like answered on the podcast, you can contact us at The Long Munch on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And remember that there's more than 40 previous questions that we've already answered. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. But you might like to check out the back catalogue to see if there's something there that will be helpful to you. Most podcast apps only show you the last few episodes, but if you click back, you'll find the rest of them going back to November 2020. And if you do want to be notified every time there's a new episode available, you can actually hit subscribe on the podcast app that you're listening to this on. If your friends are asking about a particular nutrition issue for their training or racing and you've heard it on the podcast, please let them know. And if you haven't heard it on the podcast, please let us know. But otherwise, we will love and leave you and we'll see you next week. Will do. See you, everyone.